0: Okay, here we go. Amos chapter four, verse one. Here it is. Listen to this message, you cows of Bashan who are on the hill of Samaria, women who oppress the poor and crush the needy, who say to their husbands, bring us something to drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness, look, the days are coming when you will be taken away with hooks, every last one of you with fish hooks. You'll go through breaches in the wall, each woman straight ahead, and you'll be driven along toward Harmon. This is the Lord's declaration. Come to Bethel and rebel. Rebel even more at Gilgal. Bring your sacrifices every morning. Your tents every three days, of leaven of leavened bread as a thank offering, and loudly proclaim your free will offerings. For that is what you Israelites love to do. This is the Lord's declaration. Let me pray, and then we'll uh, we'll read the rest of that. Dear God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for, um, thank you for the book of Amos, God, that we've been able to discuss it over the next or over the last couple of weeks, and and over the next month or two, Lord, I just pray that you can um, uh, continue to help us uh, see the truth in this book, that this is not a book that we just look at and assume that it was something that was done long ago and that it doesn't apply to us anymore. Lord, I pray that we can just realize that there is truth in this book that that actually applies to us today uh, just so much. And so, Lord, um, uh, be with us today. Help us understand what it is you're trying to tell us. And and God, we thank you for how much you bless us over and over again. We pray this in your name, Amen. Amen. All right, you guys can take your seats. All right, so I want to um, I want to tell you guys a quick story before we get started, and then uh, and then we'll dive in. Um, I was uh, a senior in high school. Uh, yeah, a senior. I waited to get my driver's license until I was about 17, right? So um, I, I guess my parents didn't trust me driving, so they made me wait a little bit longer. So when I was 17, I remember I got my license, and um, and then my dad said, hey, I've got a – I, I, well, I told my dad, I said, I need a car. And he says, oh, I've got a car for you. And my dad, for $1,200, had bought a 1970 Ford pickup truck. Now, this was an old car when I got it, okay? It wasn't like this was – I'm not that old, okay, guys? I mean, this was what, 2000 when I got this car? So it was already 30 years old when I got it. And I looked at my dad and I was like, Dad, are you, are you kidding me with this? And he goes, Oh, you'll appreciate it. And it really was the best car I ever had. It was my first car. And um, my dad was like, You want a better car? Save up money and go buy a better car. And I was like, Darn, he got me, all right? And I didn't have any money. So, but the worst thing that happened to me was that as I was, uh, as I started driving, I started driving to school and stuff, and it hit me pretty soon into having my license that that I could leave school or I could skip school as many times as I wanted to. And so what would happen is my mom, she would go to work at like nine. I think she'd leave the house at like 8.45 to get to work at nine. Typically, I had to leave school a little earlier or leave the house a little earlier to get to school. And so what I would do is I would Pull out of the house and be like, bye, mom. She's like, have a good day, bye, bye. And I would drive away and then I would go to the end of the road and I would just wait there. I would see my mom pull out, drive to work, and then I would pull back into the house and go into the house and skip school for the whole day. Okay? And I was like, man, this is living. I watched TV, I got to do whatever I wanted. And so I kept missing a bunch of days. And back in those days, they would, you know, they would call your house, and they'd say, hey, your son has missed five days. Is everything okay? And so my mom didn't get home till six. I would be home there. I would hear the message, and I'd be like, wow, thanks, school. Guess what I did? I deleted it. (laughs) All right? So my parents had no idea that I was missing so much school. So one day, I get to the, uh, I I decide, you know, I probably should go. So I go to school, and my teacher, uh, the vice principal, he says, Matt, come on in. Come on in. And I said, what's going on? Uh, Vice principal, I don't remember his name. And he says, take a seat. So I sit down, and he goes, um, he says, "Matt, you've missed a lot of school." And I was like, "Yeah, man, I've been really, uh, really sick. Um, yeah, that's what it is." And he goes, "Don't come on, don't, don't lie to me. You've been skipping school." And I was like, "What? No, I would never." And he goes, "Bro, you've missed legit. I had missed like twenty something days. Okay, I would missed a ton of school." And he looked at me. He goes, "Okay, listen. Um, if you miss any more days, uh, then, then you're gonna fail. You know." And I was like, "Got it." And he goes, "Hold on. I, I don't, I don't think you're listening to me." He says you're a senior, right? I said, yeah. He goes, if you miss one more day, you will not graduate high school. And I was like, and that really kicked in, right? So there was, during the rest of the year, I would get like legit, I would get sick. And my mom's like, you should stay home. And I'm like, no, I got to go to school. And I would like go to school and I just had to troop it out, right? And the thing is, my, I, I, I heard what my vice principal had said but I, I really wasn't listening until he really clarified it for me. Now, do you guys know that there's a difference between hearing somebody and listening to somebody? Do you guys know that there's a difference, right? I could, hear, I, I could hear, for instance, today my, my children are, are talking to me while I'm trying to set up for church. I heard them, but I wasn't listening, right? I was like, guys, I I, I, I got to set up real quick, and then I'll take you over to, to kids' church. And and the reason I'm calling, the, the title of my message today is, Can You Hear Me Now? Okay? And I'm calling it this, we're, we're, we're continuing our series in Mirror Emma, all right? Because apparently we uh, our screen is messed up, but it's Mirror Image is our series. If you haven't been here for the series, the whole purpose is we're looking at the book of Amos, which was um, the prophet Amos had uh, been given this task by God to go and give this message to Israel. They were doing a lot of things wrong in the eyes of God. And when I was reading Amos, I just kept thinking to myself, man, you know, the things that they're doing wrong, a lot of us are doing a lot of these things wrong today. Dare I say it's a mirror image, right? And so we've been looking at this, and the reason I'm calling it can you hear me now, is because I believe that God is speaking to a lot of us right now, and a lot of us aren't even listening to what God is saying. Like, I think that God is probably telling you something through life circumstances, through the Bible, obviously, that's the main way he speaks to us. And I think a lot of us, we come to church and we hear God, right? I mean, the fact that I just read you that scripture, you're hearing from God, right? That's the word of God. Um, But a lot of us don't, we're not listening to God, okay? And boys, let me tell you this. It's one of the hardest things about being married is you have to listen to your wives, okay? I hear my wife all the time. I hear it. And I'm just like, what? And then finally I look over and I go, oh, and I have to listen. My wife says this often. She goes, I know you heard me, but you're not listening to what I'm saying because then you would would take what I'm saying and you would do something about it, okay? So... um, You guys remember the old Verizon commercial? This might be before you guys, but in the Verizon commercial, it would show two guys talking. The phone call would drop halfway through, and the guy would be like, hello? Can you hear me? Hello? Hello? And then the dude from Verizon would come in. He'd be like, can you hear me now? And they would say yes. And and the idea was that the Verizon phone never dropped calls and that that it was the most reliable network. Fun fun fact for you is that dude left Verizon and now does the commercials for Sprint. I think he's a complete traitor, but... Whoever pays more, I guess. So, so can you hear me now? I want you, as we're doing this, I want you to think about, like, if God, God is asking you this question, like, guys, can you hear me now? Like, are you listening to me, right? And and um, the reason we're going to bring this up is I want to show you three ways that I think Israel was failing in regards to following God. And I want you to ask yourself, are, do you fail in these three ways as well? Like, essentially, ask yourself, like, let's look at this as a parent-teacher conference, okay? Okay. And, and we're going to do a progress report on ourselves. And I want you to do an internal look and just say, if this was the report card, would you be able to check this part off, this part off, this part off? Or would you give yourself a failing grade? Because Israel really got a failing grade on this. They failed in all three of these things. Okay? So, with that being said, let's go ahead. Um, I want to read you a scripture. Are you guys familiar with James 1? verses 23 and 24. I know if you were in here for the series that we did on James, it says, because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. And this is what James tells us that the Bible is, is the Bible will tell you things that you need to change about yourself. And the problem is a lot of Christians will, will look at Scripture, which is like looking in the mirror. They'll see that something is wrong with themselves, and they'll look and they'll go, no, it's fine, and then they'll turn around and walk away. A mirror tells you what you have to change about yourself. The Bible tells us what we have to change about ourselves to be holy before God. And so Let's dive into these three things here, okay? So let's reread Amos 4, 1 to 3. So I'd encourage you to keep your Bibles open. All right, here's verse 1. It says, listen to this message, you cows of Bashan who are on the hill of Samaria, women who oppress the poor and crush the needy, who say to their husbands, bring us something to drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness, look, the days are coming where you're going to be taken away with hooks, every last one of you with fish hooks. You will go through breaches in the wall, each woman straight ahead. You'll be driven along toward Harmon. This is the Lord's declaration. Now, I, I want us to look at verse 1 here because verse 1 refers, he, he's referring to them as cows of Bashan, right? He's like, like, imagine if, if I had come up to you and I'd said, like, hey, what's going on, you cow? Like, I mean, chances are you're not going to take that very nicely, right? You're just like, wait a minute. Like, that's not a very beloved thing to say, right? Um, when you call, and, and in this regards. He's actually referring them to the cows of Bashan, which is, um, this was a place that was um, near Israel that was very fertile. It was a, it was a place that, that uh, Israel got a lot of their wealth from because they would, grow, they would grow crops there and stuff, and then they'd send them to Israel, so they made a lot of money off of this. And the point here is that Amos is saying, listen, um, listen to this message, you wealthy people. Listen to this message, you prosperous people, okay? And this is a point we've been talking about a lot in, in, in Israel is that Israel was very, very wealthy. Who's that a mirror image of? The United States, right? We are extremely wealthy here. And he's saying, listen, the, the, the problem that happens when, um, when you come into wealth is a lot of people will use their wealth incorrectly, okay? I got a raise um, years back, and I remember looking at my wife, and, and she goes, uh, she goes, okay, what are we going to do with this extra money? And I said, well, I think we should get cable again. And she goes, what? No, 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 no. We're not going to spend it. We've got to save it, right? We've got to save it towards certain goals. And I don't know if you guys are like me, but if I ever come across extra money, the first thing I think of is, where can I spend this extra money, right? And I want to do something with the money. I never think to save it. I never think to do anything with it. And, um, and this, was, this really was the problem with Israel is they kept being blessed and blessed and blessed. And they kept all this money for themselves. They kept keeping it to themselves. And we know this is true because it says he, he compares them to people who oppress the poor and crush the needy. All they did, the a big problem with wealth is that it it gets you to focus just on yourself and not others, right? So here's the first point, ready? All right, point number one is failure to care, okay? Failure to care. Ask yourself this question, do you care for people, all right? Um, Let's look at verse two, the Lord has sworn by his holiness, look, the days are coming when you'll be taken away with hooks, every last one of you with fish hooks. Right before the service, uh, Michael came up to me and was asking me if I knew, like, the context of this passage. And he informed me of it, and it's pretty barbaric, actually. Can you stand up and tell everybody real quick? And look how tall this dude is. Ready? Good Lord. Man, he's like nine feet tall. (laughs) All right, so tell everybody what this passage means. Yes. So is there any fisherman in here? Anybody
1: who fishes? Nobody? Okay. So so fishhook, what does it do? It catches the fish, right? Can the fish get off it again? No, not easily, you know. Yes. So what, what what is what God is saying there is basically that's pure judgment. What he's basically referring to is the Assyrians. Does anybody know who the Assyrians was? They were the ones who came and conquered Israel. Remember with Daniel and and when, when they were basically conquered? So what they would do back in the day when the Assyrians when they came and they were strictly barbarians, they would basically take them. All the ones who were they conquered, all the people, they will completely, all the cities, if they came in and and took a whole city, they would take all the people out, they would strip them naked, they would take a fish hook to the lower lips and tie them all up together and then drag them for hundreds of miles to where they were taking them. So a little bit, now we know what Daniel and his friends and all that went through and all that, it was not all happy days when they were dragged into Babylon and all that. So that's what God is saying. That's what's gonna to happen to Israel. And he
0: told us many years before it happened and all that. And it happened. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. That's that uh for the record, if you ever want to know like like fun facts about the Bible like that, just go talk to Michael. He knows all that stuff. So but but you're right. I mean, this this clearly is not this is not a uh, it's not like a very uplifting, loving message here, right? This is a message of judgment, it's a message of of God really is a God of wrath here because he's given these guys all these chances, yet they continue to turn their back on him. So, so the question I want to ask you guys is really is how do you treat others? Okay. This first part here deals with Israel. Like God is saying, can you hear me now? He's saying, can you hear me? I I want you to care about people. Um, God had given them all this wealth and, and you guys ever heard of Financial Peace University? It's by Dave Ramsey. I love this. One of, his, one of his biggest things that he says is he if you take the course, he tries to help you gain wealth and get rich and stuff like this. And his, his, uh, one of his quotes is he wants you to get rich so that you can give like no other. And I always thought that was a really cool point. Like One of his main objectives with making a lot of money is that he can give a lot of money away. And, and so my, my prayer is that I can be that way, that, I, that not just with money, but like I can give my time to people, I can give my energy to people. And, and really, guys, ask yourself this question. Do you care for people? How do you treat others? And I was telling the kids last night that I'm, I'm baffled, I'm baffled and, and amazed at how I hear some of us talking about other people. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> I've heard some pretty terrible things said about people And, uh, and listen, I'll be honest. I'm a guy, right? I know guys like to jab at each other and stuff, but, but really let's ask ourselves this question is, you know, God made everybody. How are we treating God's creation? Obviously God cares about this. This is one of the things that he says that they failed at miserably. So as, as a Christian in the United States, are you failing in this as well? Remember, we're doing a self-check here. So, so be thinking, can you check that off? Or is that something you need to say Eh, maybe I have like a B or a C if I was to grade myself on this and I could do better, okay? So that's point number one is that they, there was a failure to care, okay? Here's point number two. Let's read Amos 4, verses 4 and 5. Here it is. It says, come to Bethel and rebel. Rebel even more at Gilgal. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tents every three days. Offer leavened bread as a thank offering. And here it is. Loudly proclaim your free will offerings, for this is what the Israelites love to do. This is the Lord's declaration. So here's the part two. Ready?
2: It is
0: failure to worship. All right? Failure to worship. I'm going to ask you guys this question. I've asked it before. Can you worship incorrectly? Yes or no? You cannot. Why do you say that, Jack? Just out of curiosity. Okay right Okay, I like it. I, so I get what you're saying. You're saying that that there are many different ways to worship. God doesn't say just worship in this like worship is more than singing, right? Our definition is worship is anything that gives glory back to God and you're saying that, Giving glory back to God can look a multitude of different ways. That's a great answer. I don't think that's wrong. What else? Do you guys think you can worship incorrectly? What's an incorrect way to worship? Right, right. That's exactly right. I would say both of you guys are right. Um, The answer is in terms of worship in itself, you can worship incorrectly in that when worship is not all about God, that's incorrect worship. Okay, so so if you're singing, like, let's say, let's take singing, for instance, and you're singing to God, and you're just like, I'm going to raise my hands because I really want to date this girl, and I think she would like it if she saw me raising my hands like I'm a good Christian, right? I used to do this in high school. I'd be like, let's see, oh, I like that girl, dear God, and I'd like pretend like, like, oh, she saw me, yes, she thinks I'm a super Christian, right? And, And the thing is, that is an incorrect worship, isn't it? Because I'm not focused on God in this moment. Who am I focused on? That girl over there, Okay. And I'm focused on myself, right? And this is the thing. Listen to what he says here. He says that, you know, you guys, you offered your your leavened bread. This is verse 5. He says, you offer it as a thanks offering, and here it is. You loudly proclaim your free will offerings. This is what you guys love to do. You love to be loud about it. You love, and why is this? They want to be seen. They want to be seen. Do you guys remember that old verse? Um, it's I forget where it is exactly, but it's where the lady is going to give her offering and she gives everything that she has and then the the um the other like Pharisees or the higher up guys they're coming and they're bringing like bags full of money and Jesus is like who gave more and they said well it she did right because she gave all of what she had they gave a little bit but these guys back in those days they loved to be seen giving offering they loved it they loved they would it's say that they would go out into public and they would do their prayer time in public so that everybody could see them doing it is that true worship no, not at all. It's incorrect worship because they're focused on themselves. They're focused on themselves. So anything that you do to worship God, ask yourself, is your motive in the right place? If it's not all about God, then you are worshiping incorrectly, okay? And guys, I'm telling you, this right here, failure to worship, I think is one of the biggest problems with our church in the United States, okay? Is I think that we, I think that we worship, I think that we try to do it, but I think a lot of times it becomes about wanting to be seen doing this, right? And guys, listen, I'll be honest with you. I I struggle with this, okay? I I used to lead worship a lot more than I do now, but worship is a hard one. Like, I'd be up there with my guitar, I'd be singing. The first time I ever led worship in in the church when I was like 16 years old in the main service, I had written a song. I'm up there playing this song, and the lyrics for my song are on the screen, and and I'm, I'm playing, it was called Embrace Me God, okay? And I'm playing it, and the whole crowd was singing my song. And my parents asked me, they said, so what was the best part of worship? I said, man, it was hearing these people sing my song back to me. And my dad was like, to you? And I said, oh, oh yeah, to God. Sorry, my bad, my bad. And the thing was, my mind was in the wrong spot, right? Like for me, I, I I loved that people came up to me and they were like, you're an awesome worship leader. And I was like, I am. Thank you. Appreciate that. I wrote that song. I don't know if you knew that or not. You know, And, and, and it really got to my head, okay? That is incorrect worship. In fact, in Matthew 5, 23 to 24, we've we've said this passage before. It says, if you're offering your gift at the altar, you've come to the altar, you offer your gift, and then you remember that your brother or your sister has something against you. Jesus says, leave your gift at the altar. First go, be reconciled with your brother or sister, and then come offer your gift. Jesus is saying, listen, it's, it's awesome that you want to come and bring your gift and worship God with it, but if you've got beef with somebody else, like you guys are not doing well, he says, forget about the offering. Go fix that and then come back here. It's a heart issue 100% of the times. You can't curse your neighbor and then worship God with the same mouth right behind each other, right? So guys, ask yourself this question. How, like, What does your worship look like? Do you get a, an A plus in worship? Do you focus on God every time you worship? Some of you guys aren't even doing the acts of worship at all. And I'm not saying that you're raising, not, not raising your hands during worship. I'm talking about stuff like you're not giving back to God in any way, okay? You're not giving back to God in any way. Think, honestly assess yourself and give yourself a grade on what, how you do there, okay? And so, um, most of that just starts with praying and reading your Bible every day, okay? You give back to God. If you, I mean, sacrificing 30 minutes in the morning to do a quiet time is not a huge sacrifice, but it's giving back to God, right? So um, we've got a failure to care, a failure to worship, and then here's our last one. Failure to remember. Failure to remember. Now, let me read this. This is a couple verses here. This is uh, 6 to 11. Here it is. I gave you absolutely nothing to eat in all your cities, a shortage of food in all your communities, yet you did not return to me. This is the Lord's declaration. I also withheld the rain from you while there were still three months until harvest. I sent rain on one city, but no rain on another. One field received rain while a field with no rain withered. Two of three cities uh, staggered to another city to drink water, but they were not satisfied, yet they did not return to me. This is the Lord's declaration. I struck you with a blight and a mildew. The locusts devoured your many gardens and vineyards, your fig trees and olive trees, yet you did not return to me. This is the Lord's declaration. I sent plagues like those of Egypt. I killed your young men with a sword, along with your captured horses. I captured, uh, I caused the stench of your camp to fill the nostrils, yet you did not return to me. This is the Lord's declaration. I overthrew some of you as I overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a burning stick snatched from fire, yet you did not return to me. This is the Lord's declaration. What's the two phrases here that, that he, he finishes with every time? He says, yet you did not return to me. And then what's the last part, nevea? This is the Lord's declaration, right? The main part here is he's saying, listen, you did not return to me. Essentially, he's saying that like, I did all of these things to you, right? None, like all of these things were pretty bad, right? I mean, think about this. They didn't have anything to eat. He withheld the rain. Um, There was a mildew, a blight. There was plagues, all of these things. And this was God's way of saying, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? He's trying to speak to them. He's like, listen, I'm doing all these things to get your attention. And what does he say? Yet you did not return to me. So ask yourself this question, guys, like, you, what is, what is, how is God speaking to you? Are you listening to God? Because here's the thing, when this bad stuff happened to him, you know, you know that, um, that Israel, you know they heard God because of all the bad stuff that was going, but they didn't listen to God because they didn't change their ways at all, all right? When I first started dating Brittany, I was dating in, uh, we started dating like 14, 15 years ago, okay? And uh, in, in college, I was a, a junior, she was a freshman, okay, and we started dating and stuff, and what was funny is um, when you start dating, uh, guys especially, when guys will start dating a girl, they will go out of their way to impress the girl, right, this is how I did it, I was like, I got to do everything it takes to make sure that she chooses me, okay, and so we would date, I would like, she would say stuff like, hey, we should get up and do a Bible study at 6 a.m., and I was like, let's do it, I never woke up at 6 a.m., but to impress my girlfriend, I said, let's do it, so we did that. The, one of the one of the the hardest things about being married is that um, you get the girl when you're dating, and then when you get married, uh, married men tend to forget to date their wives. Okay, so so before you're married, you're pursuing and pursuing and pursuing to try to show them that you're the right one for them. And then us guys, when we get married, in our minds, I think we're just like, I've won the girl; no need to pursue anymore. Okay, and it's it's really a, it's it's pretty tragic because. Because there's times when my wife has said this to me over the course of our marriage, and she goes, why don't you pursue me anymore? Like, come on. It's not like when we dated. And I'm like, that's a good point. So we try to make monthly date nights and stuff like this. But, but here's the thing. That, that situation is very similar here where when it first happened, um, when, when God first freed the Israelites from Egypt – Guys, you know, you, that was like the dating stage, right? Israel were all about some God at this time, okay? They, they were just like, yes, we're going to do what you want us to do. We're going to live holy lives. You remember when they were freed from Egypt and they, they left and then all of a sudden they had to go through the Red Sea and, the, and then the Egyptians changed their mind and they came chasing Israel. And, and remember, I've, I've asked you this question before, is imagine what it was like if you're an Israelite and you look back and you see the people that have kept you slaves for hundreds of years just consumed by the Red Sea when it falls in on them. Guys, it said that right when that happened, they praised God for days. They were worshiping God. They feared God. They loved God. Why? Because they remembered what he had done for them, right? When we forget what God has done for us, that's when our passion and the pursuit start to die off. Guys, some of the the people that are most passionate for God are new believers because they're still, they've like, it's still fresh and it's still new. And then the the longer it goes on, they tend to forget things, right? So guys, my question is for you is, uh, do you forget what God has done for you? Do you forget how God has blessed you enormously? If you're a Christian, do you forget the fact that Jesus died on a cross for you, a barbaric death for you? When we sin and when we turn our back on God, it's because we forget these things, what I what I want to encourage you guys is every day, every day, set aside some time to remember what God has done for you. I try to say this to myself every day. You want to say something, Kevin? Can read
2: something?
0: Yeah, yeah. Come on up here. So as
2: I said, we got to Knowing what we were going to I read it real quick, and this comes from my former father-in-law. Okay, so that means that I'm divorced, right? Okay. This is, and I've been divorced for, geez, I've been divorced almost half my life. I'll say, okay. So one point, never underestimate the people in your past, okay, that's the one point. But it says, the invisible prison of the American culture, a culture filled with high expectations, earthly desires, material wants, filled with chronic disappointment, filled with the glass is half empty, f- uh, failing to see the blessing that we possessed, focusing on the few things that we do not possess, and yet want our disordered desires. Read all of those things that Matt wrote on the board. Right. Oh God, I pray you free all of us, not you guys, not Matt, not this gentleman writing, not, not just me, all of us from this prison, and may we look upon with eternal eyes to you who should be the only desire, because you are only our, 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 our only eternal hope, all else will pass away. I got that as I sat down, and then this term fall for something to
0: think about, right? There yeah. Thanks Kevin, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's awesome actually. That's a really good thing there. So so let me finish by saying this. You know, exactly what Kevin was just saying. You know, we um we tend to forget these we we forget how God loves us so much. We forget these things. And and you know, just like with my wife, sometimes I take for granted like her, right? I'll I'll say, "Hey, you know, I just assume she loves me, right? I assume everything's good, right? But but it takes effort on my part to to you know speak to her, to pursue her and stuff. And the problem is, a lot of Christians in the United States we we could care less about pursuing God anymore. We just we forget. We, we have forgotten how God has has sent His Son to die for us. So, um, so here's here, here's how I want to finish this. Okay, is ask yourself this question: Is what is God trying to tell you today? Okay, the, the one of the uh, if you want to silence God in your life, I say this is that the 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 way to silence God in your life is to do this right here is to close your Bible. Okay, the the main way God speaks to us is through Scripture. So, guys, let me ask you that question: Is number one, are you reading your Bible? Are you hearing from God? And and also, I do believe that God speaks to us in life circumstances, meaning that if you're going through something, it could be that God is trying to develop and mold you into something. Okay, I've told you the story about when, when my family had, we had a death in our family, and it was, it was a time that, that I have grown more in tragedy than I have in blessings, meaning when bad things happen, that's actually when I've grown closer to God. And, and I believe that God allows these things to happen to, to form us and develop us. A tragedy would have been is when this person in my family had passed away, if I had just said, oh, this is just a random thing, no biggie. That would have been tragic because I wouldn't have been listening to God, right? I wouldn't have been hearing from God there. But God was saying, Matt, I'm trying to build you. I'm trying to make you grow. I'm trying to develop you into something. Remember, guys, we're we're just little balls of clay that God is trying to develop and mold into what he wants us to be. So don't ignore God, okay? God is saying, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And a lot of us turn them off. Don't do that, okay? Listen to what God is saying. What circumstances in your life are happening that this could be God trying to wake you up to something? All right, let's stand together. I'm going to pray and then Alex is going to come up here and, and sing a worship song for us. So, I want to encourage you guys, okay, is over, uh, over these next couple of minutes as Alex sings this worship song for us, um, don't, don't think that I'm saying you have to raise your hands or that you've got to sing loud. Real, all I want you to do in this time is is focus on God in a way like close your eyes and just forget what's going on around you. Forget about yourself. Forget about what people think of you. Forget about the hard things you're going through. Forget about the great things you're going through. Close your eyes and just focus on God. Now, when you're focusing on God, you, you will thank him for the things that he's done in your life. You'll also uh, leave it at the altar, the things that you're struggling with. So some of you guys in here might be struggling with some pretty, pretty hard stuff broken relationships, you don't feel a value of yourself, like you think that you're trash, right? God doesn't think that about you. So guys, take these next couple of moments, close your eyes, even if you don't sing, just listen to the words and focus on God. That's what true worship is, okay? Let me pray and then he'll sing for us. God, thank you for this day. God, thank you for everybody that's here. I don't believe that anybody was here by accident. I don't believe uh, that, um, that, I, nobody in here is worthless or valueless, God, because you love us so much. You made us in your image. So God, I pray that we remember this. I pray that we remember this when we, when we think of others, that we care for people, God, that when we worship you, we can remember how much you love us and what you've done for us, that it causes us to live a life that gives back to you 100% as much as we're possible or capable of doing. And God, I just pray that, especially over these next couple minutes, we can remember how much you love us. You can remember what you've done for us. We can remember just what's going on in our lives. We can maybe see them differently and see that maybe you're trying to speak to us, God. Lord, we love you so much, God. I'm just so grateful for everybody in this room. We pray this in your name, amen.